0: Summer is finally mercifully here, Manitoba. If you want to promote your band or your team or your business with some fresh gear this season, check out our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Supporting local business is more important than ever in these tough times. So get a made-in-Manitoba solution to your screen printing, embroidery, heat press vinyl, and graphic design needs over at divineshirtcompany.ca or on Instagram at divineshirts. And tell them which police radio sent you.
1: One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get
2: up your ass and get.
0: All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I'm here with a guest who is uh, new to the podcast, but not new to Manitoba, and I would say uh, not new to Canadian uh, music audiences either. And I think that the best way to start this off, I do have a lot of questions for you, but before we even get into any of that, if you just want to introduce yourself and give a bit of background about what it is you do as a musician.
1: Yeah, um, I'm Rob Nash. Um, Most people, when they talk about their music career, it's like they always was their dream of being a musician for me. Music isn't what I wanted to do. I love music. I was addicted to it, but I never thought I'd do it for, you know, a job for that would be my career. Uh, For me, it was about why I wanted to do it. You know, I, I just knew music was a good way to tell a story. So it's just my vehicle and my platform to tell a story, which is often different it wasn't like my worst mark in school was music I (laughs) I auditioned for the choir I didn't make it but I just I just I'm a storyteller and music's a good way to tell a story
0: for sure it is yeah and I think that you're an interesting person in the sense that you know you're well-known, but I don't know if you're well-known as much for your music itself as you are for everything that surrounds it, because you have this, you know, uh, you're always in the news for your advocacy and, and for, for the community work you're doing and things like that, almost more, it almost overshadows your music. So I think it's you're an interesting uh, person to talk to in that sense, because, you know, you have this, this career that is obviously what what you do with your life, but then there's this whole other side of things that, that almost takes over. So, I mean... yeah what's the best way to how do you define the type of music you play i do want to talk about the other stuff too because it's very important but as far as the actual music side of things yeah how do you describe um, it
1: yeah we're definitely rock based um you know i think the new album specifically we're getting a lot of comparisons to like you know lincoln park um like the heavy stuff you know bring me the horizon papa roach type sure stuff. but you know i what i love is to be honestly i was really inspired by 21 pilots because uh you know you listen to one song, it's like trap music, and the next song's just him and a ukulele. Like, they're so diverse, and, uh, you know, I have toured so much over the last 12 years that I didn't have a lot of time to write, and so I didn't know how much I built up inside of me. So when the pandemic hit, I started writing again, and I had collected a lot of stories on tour. So the new album has 18 songs, and uh, it definitely hits hard but there's some songs that are, you know, you don't even have a drum set in them, you know? So right. it's quite a diverse album. You know, there's some songs that are, you know, being loved in the rock community and some that rock station would never play that are more CHR, you know, like contemporary uh, hit radio. Sure, you know? sure. So, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty diverse album, but it's definitely lands on the rock side of things.
0: Okay. Okay. I think mean, that's what I figured from what I've heard of your stuff too, but yeah. um, I'm sure you're sick of talking about the pandemic. So am I, but it's affected everyone so much over the past, two years plus how has it been for you as someone who has done a lot of touring and you do a lot of public events and public speaking and 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 things like that you're you're always sort of out there with people and we've had this enforced time off where where that hasn't necessarily been possible in a traditional way how have you dealt with yeah
1: well you know for me i'm i'm fortunate that i was able to figure out that um my emotions weren't a curse they were a gift you know i um i went through some pretty dark times when i was younger you know i was when i was 17 i was in a car accident and went from a six foot five a guy that played almost every sport to a guy getting bathed by his mom yeah. and uh, i um you know was hit by a semi truck in a car accident with my friends and um resuscitated and i woke up with a titanium skull this side and metal in my chest i've had so many surgeries and um but i didn't know who i was or my parents and my memory was gone wow. and i it was just like a total restart, and uh, so the last couple of years are familiar to me because you know I watch a lot of people that you know couldn't be with their friends they were isolated we couldn't play sports, and I went through that when I was seventeen when I was in high school, so I recognized this and I recognize what isolation does, and isolation and depression are a bad combo sure, so you know we've been watching this and maybe we'll get into this more, but you know I started a band to tell that story I thought. I made it through that dark time but how many other people are going through those same dark thoughts not talking about it and that was my why i'm like i need to tell my story so other people don't have to die like i did before they start to live you know right. and do things for the people around them do things that matter so i chose to play music and the first couple albums they were okay <laughs> and then by the fourth album got a record deal and then we actually did have some top 10 hits on the radio and we were. sharing the stage and touring with some of our favorite bands like big crowds and it was exciting and it's fun crowd surfing yeah i was like when do i tell the stories you know like i want to have an impact and then we were getting ready to go to la for a you know to see if we could do the same thing in the states and then all of a sudden i got offered this nine month tour to go through schools just me and acoustic guitar telling my story so everyone thought i was crazy but i walked away from my record deal to do that and when you walk away from your record deal, you don't have a dollar, you just owe money. So, and then it was a nine month tour without pay, but it felt like the right thing to do. And after the nine months, you know, it it turned into other communities calling that started going called from prisons and youth detention centers and reserves. And it just started growing. We put a, band back together and started a charity because we never charged a dollar for what we were doing and then the shows we couldn't meet the demand yeah so then it was like we were back in big theaters like in winnipeg we'd set up the burton cummings theater and we'd do a week of shows for free we'd pay for the school buses we'd fly in kids from reserves to these concerts where we would tell stories of the people we met on tour people with struggles of mental illness addiction self-harm and we'd see so many breakthroughs and then uh our last show was the arena and medicine hat. And then we walked off stage and the pandemic hit. And uh, I didn't know if it was going to be two, all of us, two, no, days, no one two weeks, asked. two months. Yeah. You know, but I just, I knew that it would be a while before they would let 10, 20, 30 schools into a building. And I still think it's going to be a while. So, um, yeah, we just, it was really hard these last couple of years sitting on the sidelines because communities are reaching out schools and saying like, help, this is hell on our kids. And and I'm like, ah. But when the pandemic hit, I was like, you know, I, I tried to keep things kind of underground. Like, you're right, I would do some media stuff. Um, I got, a, I accepted a couple of award, awards. At first, I didn't accept the awards because I never wanted any of the students to think this was a publicity stunt. Yeah. Because kids can smell bullshit a mile away, right? So they need to see your genuine. They're like, oh, this he's not charging for this? Oh, he's in debt? <laughs> oh, what is he going to sell us? You know, it's like, oh, we give the music away for free. It's like, okay you got us because you're genuine especially when you go to a reserve because it was like what what's another white boy doing coming to save the day you know but uh, once i was embraced by the indigenous people by the way they actually gave me my spirit name they call me bear chief that's why i have a bear hand in my hand uh, with chief across the fingers and uh and then yeah so i was like i kept it underground but finally i was like i think it's time we have to tell these stories of the people we've met so on the tour we were handed 917 suicide notes and i I called up a film crew and I was like, will you help me follow up with 10 of these students and find out where they are now? And so we, during the pandemic, we've been going across the country uh, just filming these students that are now in their early twenties. Like, and the stories were incredible. A for me to hear because I found out these stories didn't just make them feel better for a day, but these were long lasting impacts that these shows were having. And um, the stories are so incredible. Uh, So we have a documentary that's done. um, We, we're just working on which platform it's going to go out on. But we also, I put together a team of, of psychologists and social workers and teachers and counselors. And I said, can you take these episodes, of these students, um, their stories, uh, and let's, let's show these in schools, in a school curriculum. So now that's available and it's in six provinces right now. It's available for free on the website. And students watch my story. And then they journal, like, what was Rob's struggle? What was his breakthrough? Yeah. How did he get help? How is he helping other people? Then they watch the story of one of the students. And by the end, it's like, hey, what's your struggle? How could you find a breakthrough? And and it's getting really good response. So it was really hard sitting on the sidelines, but we're really excited that, uh, that that's out there and it's helping people again.
0: That's going to feel very rewarding to, to, to follow up, you know, years down the road and find out how these, these kids' lives have gone and what they've yeah. accomplished.
1: I've always said, like, I'm, I'm not the next Bono. I don't think I'm the next big thing. But I think one of these kids, or maybe more than one, is going to go out and do something way bigger than me. And if I'm a small part in helping spark that, yeah, that that's exciting for me. I've always said I'm not, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm trying to create world changers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's your story? Get that out there. Channel your story into a poem, into a painting, into a song. Don't keep those dark thoughts inside. That's when it overwhelms you and takes you out, you know?
0: other hand i imagine that you know it's it's even harder to to see times when people haven't made it through especially if you've been doing this for as long as you have and and working with people so directly and and dealing with such kind of open feelings and emotions it's got to suck to to get that other news where someone hasn't hasn't made it
1: yeah I, i i wish what i do wasn't an occupation i wish it wasn't necessary but yeah yeah no matter how much how many suicide notes and razor blades we've been handed every time i land in the next city you read about another tragedy. I was just with a school in Manitoba earlier this week that just had a tragedy. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking. And I could actually get overwhelmed with that, except, you know, most of what we do is preventative. You know, we're par- partnered closely with CMHA and Kids Help Phone and stuff. Like kids can just text NASH to 6868 and it oh, cool. goes straight to Kids Help Phone, you know. But, you know, when I sit down and I I see, you know, students and teachers crying you know that maybe didn't see the signs, and they have all these regrets. You know that could overwhelm me if I'm not careful. But that I just use it as motivation to get to that next, to that next person. You know.
0: That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, it, obviously, it's obviously it's not something that you want to ever happen. But the AK can, I'm sure, encourage you to 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 spread that message more or or get it out there to more people in whatever way you can, right?
1: For sure. And and honestly, I I don't do this because I feel sorry for these kids i I think we're losing some of the most gifted people to mental illness like after talking with hundreds of thousands of teenagers like this just happened at the mall the other day this girl comes up she goes you're rob nash your music means so much to me because i was diagnosed with depression i have suicidal thoughts and i was like oh so you're like me she's like what do you mean i'm like you hurt deeply but you love deeply too don't you and she was like yeah i'm like you hurt deeply you can tell when others are hurting can't you and she was like yeah I was like, "Yeah, you have what I have, and it sucks sometimes. But you can help a lot of people with that." I'm like, don't shut that off. Like, isn't it interesting? Like, depression is a very real thing. Sure. But we get diagnosed with depression. Nobody gets diagnosed with empathy. And empathy is a beautiful thing. And and so I looked at this girl. I'm like, "So, do you dance? Do you paint? Poetry? or into music?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm a painter." how do you know? I'm like, you struggle with mental illness. I'm convinced there's a connection between the arts and mental illness artists we we have this extra thing emotion that we have we're affected deeply by the emotions around us and we're meant to channel that into the the painting or to the song you know and we don't know what to that that's why i think we see so many suicides in hollywood look at kurt cobain chris cornell chester bennington robin williams you know it's a entertainers and artists we've got this extra juice, you know what I mean? And it can be overwhelming when you, when you keep it inside and, uh, we lose way too many of the most gifted people. I've never been to a funeral for a suicide where I've been asked to sing a song where the mom and dad say, yeah, it's a good thing. Our daughter's gone and she had nothing to offer this world. Of course, always the opposite. She was so gifted. How did she not see it? You know?
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess like what you were just saying about running into someone at the mall and, 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 having that that conversation i guess you can't really take time off from being the guy who talks about this right i mean you're you're pretty recognizable just visually i mean be, people are, yeah. they know what you look like whether they have your, your music or not right and i mean so you probably get that all the time people just uh, feeling that you're approachable and you're the type of person that, that, that they can talk about these emotional yeah. and mental struggles
1: yeah i don't have fans like people don't it's not like uh a... Well, every once in a while, can I have a selfie and take a picture? But like, I was just in Edmonton last week and this guy comes up to me at West Edmonton Mall and he's just like, you're Rob. I was like, yeah. He goes, you came to my school in November 2014 and it changed my life. And I was like, it wasn't, Hey, you came, I think I saw you once, but it was like, he knew the time, the month, the yeah. year that, you know, cause we all have those breakthrough moments, right? But yeah, I like, yeah, walking around when people come up, you know, it's not fluffy conversations. It's like, hey, you know, this happened to my friend, and all of a sudden you have these conversations. Plus, you know, I have a mohawk and a beard, lots of tattoos. I'm six foot five, you know, so you kind of stand out a little bit in the crowd. And especially when people see my tattoos, they're, I've got some pretty prominent tattoos that most people don't have.
0: Right. <laughs>
2: You crossed my heart and I hope you're fine You better understand you never far Now
0: that is that an ongoing project that tattoo project with the uh i mean that's kind of what you're known for i think in a way is is is, uh, getting me the the names tattooed yeah
1: well well you know it's it started i just started seeing so many people tagging us in photos where they would tattoo the lyrics of our songs on their arms where they used to cut i'm like a song i wrote in my bathroom has that much of it like i'm that much a part of somebody's life like that and i'm like how could i show that they're that much part of my life so i'm like so I took yeah all the signatures from and the names from the tat from the bottom of the suicide notes. I tattooed them on my arms. But in the documentary, um, I, I say it and I say it from stage. I'm not going to do any more tattoos. My arms are full, but uh, but I just never wanted to be, uh, you know. Hey, I'm going to give Rob my suicide note in order because I want my name tattooed on his arm, you know. And uh, I, I just again I. I did this to show their value, how much they mean to me, but I also, the media focuses so much on the fact that, you know, it's like they want to push that every story of mental illness ends with a suicide and it doesn't. Sure. You yeah. need to see it. It doesn't always, not every story of addiction ends with an overdose. Every one of these names are people that are still here. You know, I, I did the anthem at a jets game and this, uh, a woman suddenly 50, 50, she goes, can I see your arm? I was like, yeah, I'm sitting there, pull up my sleeve and she goes, that's my daughter's signature. That's her handwriting. I've always wanted to thank you. And it's like, and I don't get a lot of that. I don't get to meet the parents and all that stuff, but um, you know, you just keep going because you feel like it's the right thing to do. You listen to those little promptings and, and I'll be honest with you, man. In the beginning, when I started going to schools, I didn't talk about the fact that I had been suicidal. Like my message was more like, Hey, I had this big car accident, you know, Almost died. So make every day count because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? But then one day we got called to a school in in Ontario and this principal says, can you come right away? We heard about your effectiveness and uh, we just lost a girl to suicide. And on her suicide note, it revealed that she had a pact with a friend. Like if you kill yourself, I'll kill myself. Principal says, we don't know who it is. So we flew out and it was an odd feeling, man. There's a thousand students in front of me. And I'm like, Somebody in this room is about to take their life and I don't know where they're sitting. Yeah. And I'm telling stories, playing songs. and I'm getting to this point. I'm like, I need to say it that I was there once too. I've not even told my bandmates this, but I can feel this moment coming. And I'm like, I know somebody here is thinking about taking your life. You're not alone. I was there once too. And I braced. Cause I thought like, what are the students going to think of me? What are the staff? What is my team going to think of me? but it was like a thousand pounds off me. It was like, I felt good. And then the interaction between me and the audience, the, the the relationship just went and then people are coming up afterwards. And now it wasn't just autographs and selfies. It was like hugs and tears. And and then this girl pulls this old crinkled up note out of her pocket and she's like here. And I was like, what's this? She goes, it's my suicide note. I was going to kill myself this weekend. I don't need this anymore. And the principal and the counselor are standing next to me because we always work closely make sure that they get the follow-up help that they need, right? And they walked off, and she's going to go talk with the counselor. And I'm like, holy shit, we found her.
0: Yeah, that's And then I'm
1: like, the next day, I'm like, well, if the stats from kids' health phone are true, pre-COVID, one in five teenagers had seriously considered suicide in the last 12 months. One in five. Oh. So now there's another 1,000 students in front of me. And I'm like, I said it again. It was a little easier the second time. Like, I know somebody here is thinking about taking their life. You're not alone. I was there once too. And then a guy gave me his note. And I talked with a police officer because I was like, I don't get it. Why did they have their note? Like, they didn't write that during the show. That was, it was an old paper folded up and crinkled. Yeah. And this, uh, this one officer that kind of focused on teen suicide uh, said, Yeah, very rarely is the note freshly written. People write their note and they carry it with them for two to three months, waiting for people to somebody to reach to push them over the edge or for somebody to reach out and say, you're not alone and help them with a breakthrough moment. And uh, yeah. And and it was a big day for me when I realized the, you know, the tears of that person in front of me, those weren't tears of somebody breaking down. Those were tears of somebody breaking through. Okay. And that that was a big difference for me, you know, but, but I'm not going to lie, man. Like if you've ever been to our concerts, like I don't know about you, but I hated school presentations, right? Like don't do drugs. Right. And so students are all kind of sitting there and, you know, you're at the Burton Cummings theater. It's a great setup. There's led balls. They see the drums like, okay, this is a little cooler. And (laughs) I know that, yeah, one in five students has been suicidal in the last 12 months, but four out of the five we're doing good entertain us, you know? So I'll sit down and be like, Hey, like I do a lot of impersonations. Do you want to hear the family guy voices, you know, and call them from Lord of the Rings. And so it's an entertaining show and we, we have fun, but it's all packaged around getting to the core and trying to get to those students that are struggling and and let people know you might not have had your bad day yet but it's coming we yeah. all go through something you know well
0: and that's the preventative side of things too right is is, is yeah. getting to them before before that happens and letting them know yeah hard to balance your own music with that persona that you have that they you're that guy that, that people approach about about this topic and you're a very outspoken person on this topic and then you're also writing songs that you know obviously there's a connection in what you just said you're playing these shows that also have that message but do you have to juggle it at all or do they fit very well together for you
1: i i don't get me wrong. I've written some songs that are just about having fun and partying, but I I can't do it anymore. <laughs> like now, every song, like the new album, you know, I was getting one award and uh, backstage, you know, the other three guys getting the same award were soldiers missing limbs and stuff. And I'm, I'm backstage. I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm just a musician, you know? But then they introduced me and they said, this next guy is a, fighting a different kind of a war, a war against an invisible enemy called mental illness. And I was like, that like as an artist, I was like, I could write about that. It's the sure. new album. And I had I was touring so much, I hadn't written so 18 new songs, and they're all based around that theme of war. You know, the title track, This Is War, is like, you know, it's about being on the front lines. And it kind of challenges the fact that, you know, in the Western world, but especially specifically uh, North America, we think we've created paradise. But in the song, I'm like, is this paradise? Because this isn't a war I thought I'd be in, but where's the hero? Yeah, there's bodies in the streets there's blood beneath my feet you know is this the promise that we think it is because this is where there's the most suicides most overdoses we've lost our way but then other songs like ally it's like don't fight this alone like um that idea i got from i was meeting with uh, one of the grand chiefs and the head of the metis federation one on a tuesday and the next on a wednesday and i'm always trying to do justice if i'm going to Tell the stories of the indigenous people. I've never lived that life. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I, I need to understand how to properly represent you, you know. And I'm, and they're like, quit being so apologetic. I was like, well, what do you mean? They're like, we don't know why you're helping us, but you're an ally. We don't have a lot of allies, and people will listen to you that don't listen to us. Thank you. And then I'm like, same thing, ally. I'm like, or well, right. you need an ally in war, you know. And so there's moments in front front of the lines on the front lines. There's moments we're in triage. And there's moments you're in victory and people need to see that uh, you can, you can get to the end of that. And, and honestly, um, you know, you talked about how do you keep going and all that stuff, but I've learned now that, you know, the, the antidote for depression isn't happiness um, because happiness is kind of defined by hey, if good things around you are happening. We call that happiness. Sure. But if sure. bad things are happening, you can't be happy. It's like, you're letting the, the circumstances around you to dictate how you feel you know and i i, I think we're supposed to seek for peace you know within that is regardless of the circumstances around you so and i think the antidote for depression is purpose you know first everybody knows what mental health struggles are there's days like physical health you feel 100 percent and days you feel 80 yeah sure just like mental health. There's days you feel hundred percent days you feel 80. Some people don't know what it's like to get down to five and 3%. That's where you really, you have depression and some people don't know that. And if you've never been there, you know, a lot of people say that suicide is selfish because you take your pain and you give it to the people around you, which obviously happens. But if you've never been there, you don't realize that. Um, the thought in your head, the lie in your head, is the most selfless thing that you could do for the people around you is leave. You are a burden to your family and your friends, your parents. Just leave. That's the lie that's in your head. And how do you combat that lie? Is purpose, right? Right. You know, for me, when I got through that darkness and I was like, okay. Because everybody told me every, everything happens for a reason. And they say that with good intentions. But when people told me everything happens for a reason, I'm like, well, what's the reason I was hit by a semi? And I'm thinking, is this how life is? It's fate. You know, some family told me God spanked me with a semi because I was a bad kid. So I'm like, I was so bitter and so angry. And then somebody came up to me and said, you're trying to figure out the reason you were hit by a semi truck, right, Rob? I'm like, yeah. And he was like, I know the reason. I'm like, what is it? He goes, you were hit by a semi truck because you were going too fast on an icy road. Shit happens. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. And that sounds simple, but that set me free. And I was like, I'm done being bitter and angry. I got a second chance. Maybe I should do something with it. And I was like, I screamed at the sky and I was like, I want to do something today. Like, I want to do something that matters. Like, I want my life to count. And I thought I'd feel a prompting to like move to Africa and build a well. And that's awesome. You know, if somebody does, I didn't feel that. But you know, you get those gut feelings sometimes. This is what I felt. Phone the semi driver, they hit you and tell them you're alive. I was like, what? So I phoned the police and I'm like, yo, can I get the phone number of the semi-driver that ran me over? (laughs) The cops are like, no. But I kept trying because this nudge wouldn't leave me alone. And finally, one cop gave me his number, big trucker from the US, hands us the phone. And I said, do you remember that car accident up in Canada? And he's like, he got real quiet. He's like, yeah. I said, just felt that I should call you and tell you like, I'm okay. I'm alive. I survived. And I could tell it set him free.
0: Yeah. He'd been carrying that, I'm sure, for as long as, you know, the whole time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Even though the accident was my friend's fault, it wasn't his fault, but it was still haunting him. Right. And we talked and he was set free, but that's not the important part of that story. The important part of the story is what happened to me until that day. I had never done anything for anyone but me. And that moment I was like, my life matters. I have purpose. And that purpose started to outweigh this, the depression, you know, like I need to keep fighting somebody needs my story yeah i never i never had anybody come to the hospital and be my hero but maybe i could be a hero for somebody else one day and then as cliche as the ripple effect is talked about and how often it's mentioned but that's that, that was always the goal Yeah. You know
0: well that's obviously worked for you too and i'm glad that you're still you're still doing this because like you said i mean there's there's so many kids who are struggling with this and you never know who it's going to be next, right? Like that crowd could be any, anyone in the crowd. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the father of a teenager. I, I, you know, it's hopefully it's not my kid, but that's what every parent says. Right. So. Yeah,
1: for sure. And, and honestly um, I think the most shocking part for me has been when I started this tour, you know, we just focused on the high schools. Right. And now what the grade 12s used to do is what the grade eights are doing. What the grades are doing is now what the grade fives are doing. Sure. It's getting so young. We got called to one community. Where they lost an eight-year-old to suicide. Oh wow! And I don't—that should not be an option at eight years old, but it was, and that's devastating, you know.
0: Yeah, that's that's you wouldn't expect that to happen, but yeah, that's that's that's, that's awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the best way for people to find out what you're doing? Because I mean, your shows, like you said, they have elements of of, of obviously the music is important and the new record and everything, but you were, you're also talking about these, these very important issues and, and, you know, giving people hope really uh, in situations where they might not have any, what's the best way to find out where you're going to be and uh, you know, when people can check you out.
1: Yeah. Again, I think it's going to be a while before we can tour and bring schools together. Yeah. But in the meantime, uh, over these two years, we have uh, been filming this stuff and uh, we beta tested the curriculum in four provinces, got the feedback Made some adjustments, and now the, it costs us about half a million dollars to build oh. it. Um, we spent all of our money. We're trying to figure out right now um, how to go from, you know, paycheck to paycheck. But um, we know schools need this. So we're not even charging for it at this point. But. If you go to robnash.ca you can sign up for the curriculum if you're a parent you want to hear more see more about it or a school teacher or principal um you can go sign up uh, for that the curriculum that's our big focus uh the documentary trailer is up there as well cool. um you know that'll be coming out soon we'll announce that and the new album you know even my producers that had they were my producers when i had a record deal and they're like dude we want to be a part of this what you're doing now so they're steve smith anthony anderson are amazing guys they help Help with all my production, and uh, they're like, "Hey, if you're sharing these stories in the curriculum, in the documentary, can we share your new music too?" And I was like, "Yeah, I guess it's time." So um, they stopped talked with some of their colleagues and uh, Stephen Stone, the entertainment lawyer, Jeff Rogers, uh, Eric Alper, uh, and then they met with uh, yeah, the president of Warner. And Warner said, "We want to help this," and I cool. and they signed me almost no strings attached, just with distribution to help get the music out there. So the first nine of the uh, 18 songs are now out and uh yeah so we're really excited about that and legit i sit in this room much like you often do i assume as well and i i share these stories uh, as whether people find us through the music through the curriculum through the documentary you know it's um you come here you're going to find a lot of stories and i can't wait for people to see the documentary and some of the remarkable stories of some of these teenagers where they are now
0: awesome